Good evening and welcome to our Bible study. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Revelation and Revelation chapter 2. We're going to start to read at verse 18. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of their ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learnt Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you, only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Shall we pray? Our Father, we just thank you that this evening as we look at this passage that you will just lead us through it. You will give us understanding and you will help us to hear what you are saying to us through these words that John wrote. Oh, Father, we just ask your blessing upon us now as we continue in your presence, as we come in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Right, this church at Thyatira, I've said before that they're all pretty close together and it's about 38 miles from Pergamon. And it's the smallest of the seven cities where the believers were living in, in a similar state of persecution as the other six churches were. In Thyatira, it was both a military and a commercial town, and it was under the control of the Roman Empire. At the time, the, the town had a temple dedicated to Apollo. Now, Apollo was worshipped as the sun god, who was said to be the son of Zeus, and Zeus was said to be the father of all the Greek gods. With this in mind, notice the opening name given to Jesus, and notice the descriptive word of or the descriptive words of who Jesus is. So let's have a look at this passage in Revelation chapter two and in verse eighteen we read to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So let's stop for a moment and consider the Son of God. This is the Son of the God, as opposed to Apollo, who was said to be the, the Son of a God, 
a supposed god called Zeus, who is supposedly the father of all those other gods that these people were worshipping. And then we get the description of who the true son of God is, the one whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. One from whom nothing is hidden, one from whose judgment no one can escape. This is Jesus, the one who the believers in Thyatira can trust. So we come to what are words of encouragement and approval in verse 19 when Jesus says, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. This sounds good, doesn't it? You see, he's telling them that he, Jesus, knows and sees everything. And he commands or commends them for what they are doing. And the things that they are doing, they are doing in his name. The work that the church is doing is good. It's obvious here that they have a love that extends to others despite the difficulties that they are facing. Their faith is strong. And they're working harder than they did before. They are being persecuted, but they are persevering. And they're persevering as they seek to take the good news of Jesus to those who are outside of the church. In other words, to use today's language, it appears that this church had a really good evangelical program in operation. But there's a problem, and it's a big one. And this problem exists within the church. In verse 20, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. This woman, Jezebel, it's more than likely this was not her real name. You know, the the history, uh, the, the churches, the history in, in, in what we call the Old Testament, which they would have had. And a woman called Jezebel, who would name their girl Jezebel in these days and at this time when this letter was written. So it's more than likely not her real name, but this woman is a real person. And her name is symbolic of who she is. Now remember that, because as we go through Revelation, we will see this. As we continue through the book of Revelation, we will see this symbolic name again being applied to others. So this woman, she calls herself a prophet. She's taken on a position of teaching within the church. By doing this, she's misleading the true believers and she is corrupting the gospel. Now, things to notice here are that this woman has not been given this position. She's taken it upon herself. And what she's teaching is her teaching. And she's doing this without being challenged so what about the church, this church in Thyatira? Well, 
they don't all agree with her. They tolerate her. And they've refused to deal with her. You know, let's just stop for a moment. This word tolerate, you know, if you look at a dictionary definition, this is what it says to tolerate. Allow the existence of something that one dislikes or disagrees with without interference. This is exactly what this church in Thyatira is doing. They allow the existence of this woman and her teaching. The people in the church, quite a lot of them, will dislike it. They will disagree with it, but they won't interfere with it. So we come to the Lord. And in Revelation 2, verse 21, he says, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. You see, the woman is unrepentant. The church is non-reactive. The Lord is gracious and firm. You know, by the grace of God, there is always the opportunity to repent. And that opportunity is made with restoration in mind. But that opportunity can be removed. And when it is, justice must be done. So we come to verse 22. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent by her ways. Okay, as we go through Revelation, we're going to see that we have to stop and we have to consider what is actually being said. And sometimes we can come up with the wrong picture. You see, these words, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of their ways. The adultery is spiritual adultery and it is adultery against God. And these people, like us, because we know the Old Testament, will be uh, familiar with this term, a term that is leveled against the nation of Israel when they turn away from the true God to worship the so-called gods of the nations. When they compromise, when they start to introduce things that shouldn't be there into their worship. And so... The Lord calls this adultery against him. So this is not necessarily a literal, physical, adulterous act being carried out with this woman. And the children referred to her as being her children. They are not her literal offspring. They are those who follow her. Now, when we begin to understand this, she herself might appear to be quite a respectable person. And the results from her teaching, which are obviously attractive to these people within the church, will make their lives more acceptable to society. But her motives are to persuade and encourage the people of the church to turn away from following God. Do you get hold of that? 
You see, this is a case of the ends not justifying the means. Her teaching will only compromise the gospel. The actions of this woman and those who follow her would reduce the gospel to be, in the words of the Apostle Paul, no gospel at all. She was encouraging them, and she was probably more than likely doing it herself, to go and spend time, maybe at the temple of Apollo, maybe eating of the sacrifices offered there, and then indulging in that type of worship that they carried out, and telling people that it was okay to do that. Drastic action is needed to put a stop to this kind of teaching. And it's the responsibility of the believers in the church at Thyatira. And if they will not deal with it, then the Lord will. What were they told at the beginning? The Lord is the one whose eyes are like blazing fire and those and whose feet are like burnished bronze. He sees everything. Nothing is hidden. He sees through her schemes and he passes judgment on her and on her followers. Both she and her followers have been given the opportunity to repent from their false ways, but they've refused and they continue to bring corruption into the church. So in verse 23, Jesus says, I will strike her children dead, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Again, we need to stop for a moment and consider this. It's not our place to question how the Lord carries out his judgment on these people. It's enough for us to know that he is the one who truly knows their hearts and their minds. It's not us. We don't know the true hearts and minds of people. But he does. So it's not our place to question. It's not our place to get involved in how he will do it, when he will do it, or why he will do it. What we need to know is what the church of Thyatira needed to know and what every believer needs to know. And that is, we need to know who Jesus is. That's what he's doing. He's telling us who he is. You know, we've just finished the book of Job and you can see parallels here with the book of Job. So I'll leave you to look for them as we go through this book of Revelation. We're going to see more of who Jesus is as we continue through the book of Revelation. And that is what we are to see. So back to our passage for this evening, more words of encouragement for the faithful. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have no, not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. Notice that, so-called deep secrets. You see, this false teaching that was infiltrating the early church was based on the lies of the evil one who is suggesting that man's wisdom can be greater than God's wisdom. And this goes right back to Genesis chapter 3 when the serpent said to Eve, did God really say that? 
You see, this teaching is a teaching that questions the validity of God's word and then replaces it with the belief that we know better. Satan threw doubts on the actual words that God had spoken and he twisted them to be more acceptable and more attractive to Eve's selfish way of thinking. You know, Satan used the same tactics when he tried, and notice the word he tried, he couldn't, he couldn't succeed. But he tried to tempt Jesus, and he did it by twisting God's words. Even today, many so-called religious people are prepared to put a slant on God's word in order to make it say what they want it to say, in order to make it fit in with society. For some people in the church at Thyatira, it was the temptation of um, come to church on Sunday and do whatever you please on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. The Lord won't mind. Well, the Lord does mind. And this attitude of it doesn't really matter is in direct conflict with the truth of the gospel. This is the act of twisting and in some cases completely ignoring God's word. And this thinking is still with us today. It goes under different names. It has developed, the society has developed and it's continued to do that. And it continues to bring corruption into the church of God. And it will continue until the Lord takes his church home. This is why we need to read this book of Revelation. So these faithful people in the church at Thyatira, despite their failings, they will be sustained by the grace of God. We continue in this passage and we read, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. You know, this reminds us and brings us the words of Paul as he reminded them in Corinth of how God dealt with his people in the wilderness. We can read this in 1 Corinthians 10, that's verse 12 and 13. So let me read that to you. This is what Paul said to the church of Corinth. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Even these people in Thyatira were offered repentance, but they refused to take it up. The Lord knows that life is hard for the church in Thyatira. But the final victory is theirs. And judgment will be done. And they need to know this so that they will be encouraged by it. It doesn't have to be in their lifetime. God is in control. And they need to know he's in control. And they need to know that he is with them through their problem times. Through their persecution. And they need to know that judgment will finally be done. 
Let's read 26 and 28 of Revelation 2. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. The reference to the one who is faithful to the end is a pointer to the future judgment that will come. Who's the morning star? Well, in this context, let's move through the book of Revelation and go to chapter 22. Verse 16 tells us, these are his words, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. You see, the encouragement to this church and the encouragement to us because we are the churches who follow after. The encouragement is that Jesus is the Son of the true God. You know, I understand from the commentators that this is the only place in the book of Revelation where Jesus refers to himself as the Son of God. See, this is very relevant and very important to these people. Because of the way their society of the day is. Here in the city of Thyatira, where people worship Apollo as the son of Zeus, the believers are reminded and encouraged by the words of Jesus, the words of the one who is the son of the God, the one God, the only God, the true God. The one who encourages the faithful. And what does they what does he encourage them to do? To hold on to what they have until I come. And this is a call that has echoed down through the ages to us today. Which brings us to the final verse of the little passage that we're looking at this evening, verse twenty nine. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And what is it saying to us this evening? Hold on to what you have until I come, shall we pray. Father, we just pray that as we go through this book of Revelation, we will see more of you, that we will be encouraged as we realize who you are, the power that you have, and how you will use that power to our benefit and to your glory, and that all things will come to fruition in those last days, and in that last day, judgment will come. Our Father, help us to hold on and stay faithful and stay true to your name, as we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.